Hello and welcome to Background Briefing, available 24-7 at backgroundbriefing.org. I'm Ian Masters, and today we'll examine a number of stories and issues in the news. We'll begin with today's arraignment of Donald Trump in a Manhattan courthouse where he pled not guilty to 34 criminal charges, which, taken together, carry a maximum sentence of more than 100 years in prison under New York law. We'll discuss how Rupert Murdoch and the Koch Network and the right-wing plutocrats now know the monster they created is out of control since Trump has turned the tables on them as the GOP's base flocked to their cult leader they see as a martyr together with the evangelicals who venerate him. Joining us is Sidney Blumenthal, the former assistant and senior advisor to President Bill Clinton and senior advisor to Hillary Clinton. He has been a national staff reporter for the Washington Post, Washington editor and staff writer for The New Yorker, and his books include the bestsellers The Clinton Wars, The Rise of the Counter-Establishment, and The Permanent Campaign. His latest book is All the Powers on Earth, The Political Life of Abraham Lincoln, 1856-1860, and we will discuss his article at The Guardian, Every Indictment Will Make Trump Stronger and Republicans Wilder. Then we will venture from the political into the psychological to try to understand why so many Americans see this cheesy vulgarian and tawdry con man as a hero and why the press have failed to communicate to the American people who this serial criminal and liar is after four ruinous years of a presidency that will surely be judged as among the most reckless and incompetent in American history. Joining us is Dr. Alan Francis a Professor Emeritus and former Chair of Psychiatry and Behavioural Science at Duke University. He's the author of the award-winning international bestseller Saving Normal and the reference work Essentials of Psychiatric Diagnosis. And his latest book is Twilight of American Sanity, a psychiatrist analyzes the age of Trump, now out in an updated paperback version. Then finally, we'll look into today's important election in the outrageously gerrymandered state of Wisconsin for the state's Supreme Court which has critical national implications if Dan Kelly, the Republican right-wing activist and former state Supreme Court judge who tried to overturn the 2020 election with fake electors, wins. Joining us is Lisa Graves, the executive director of the new corporate watchdog group True North Research. She has served as a senior advisor in all three branches of the federal government, as deputy assistant attorney general in the Justice Department, as chief counsel for nominations on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and as a Deputy Chief of the Article Three Judges Division for the U.S. Courts. And before we begin, I would like to thank our sustaining listeners whose continued and growing support for background briefing enable us to remain independent without corporate underwriting, commercials, paywalls, or constant fundraising as we deliver a daily news analysis by seeking out the most knowledgeable experts closest to the scene to explore three or more major stories and issues in depth with our sound bites and spin. As a dangerous and devious serial liar and selfish sociopath continues to haunt our politics and poison our social discourse, whose angry and armed followers assault our democracy and attempt to impose a tyranny of the minority in lockstep with their fraudulent wannabe mob boss and Fuhrer, your monthly donations, large and small, at backgroundbriefing.org slash donate or at our tax-deductible non-profit Public Truth Media Foundation at publictruthmedia.org contribute to an informed citizenry needed to protect and defend the will of the majority as we work to build a reality-based community in post-truth America. And joining us now, Sidney Blumenthal, the former assistant and senior advisor to President Bill Clinton and a senior advisor to Hillary Clinton. He has been a national staff reporter for The Washington Post, Washington editor and staff writer for The New Yorker. And his books include the bestsellers, The Clinton Wars, The Rise of the Counter-Establishment and The Permanent Campaign. His latest book is All the Powers on Earth, The Political Life of Abraham Lincoln, 1856 to 1860. And he has an article at The Guardian, Every Indictment Will Make Trump Stronger and Republicans Wilder. Welcome to Background Briefing, Sidney Blumenthal. Thank you, Ian. So I must say it's extraordinary, uh, Sidney, to watch one of the two American parties, the GOP, throw their lot in with Donald Trump, placing him above the law, in effect, endorsing lawlessness, ignoring or abandoning the rule of law. So that's been the build-up, and now today you had 34 felony counts for falsifying business records uh, and conspiracy. 
The judge also admonished uh, Trump about some of his social media posts, and it's going to be very hard for Trump. At least Bill Barr thinks it's going to be pretty impossible for Trump to control himself. So we're in for a very ugly year. You, you, as you point out, you know, this is from this indictment today to the 4th of June 2024, which is the last Republican primary. America is going to be divided, distracted, and damaged, is it not? Well, as I point out in my article in The Guardian uh, today, uh, from now through the Republican primaries, the election contests over this will take place within the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party. If Biden runs for re-election, which it appears he is, then um, there'll be a essentially a closed nomination contest in the Democratic Party. But in the Republican Party, you've got Trump and you will have Ron DeSantis, the, the governor of Florida, challenging him. And even if Trump were running alone and DeSantis dropped out, uh, the Republicans would go from now through the entire nomination process discussing Trump's crimes uh, and his prosecutions, which will only ramp up from here on. And I would make a point about what happened today, which is that um, it's uh, fitting and proper, as it were, that this indictment is about how he fraudulently secured the 2016 election. Subsequent indictments will deal with the 2020 elections. This deals with the fraud he committed to secure the 2016 election. So uh, it was essentially a bribe um, around which there were 34 felonies. So for the Republican Party, this is the central reality that um, they must face from here pretty much to eternity politically. But I'm not entirely convinced, Sidney Blumenthal, that any of these challenges, including DeSantis, have a prayer because isn't Trump creating a loyalty test? Aren't they rallying behind him? He feels like he's shutting DeSantis and the others out. And the, the poll numbers indicate that. Trump's shot up in the polls and DeSantis has gone down. Well, that's another one of the points that I make in this article in The Guardian, which is that these prosecutions of Trump have had the effect of solidifying his support. Uh, he was uh, behind uh, DeSantis uh, a couple months ago, and now he has an extraordinary lead over uh, DeSantis, including in New Hampshire, the first real primary, uh, where he was really lagging uh, before. Uh, so um, why will future prosecutions, future indictments damage Trump, as opposed to confirm for his base that he is a victim of the deep state and the globalists and uh, the conspiracy of, uh, as Marjorie Taylor Greene says, the pedophile Democrats. So I think that uh, what's happened and what we can see is that Trump, in fact, is uh, gaining support through these prosecutions. Some of the evangelicals uh, even see him as a Christ-like figure being martyred uh, by the prosecutions. Um, you know, there was an attempt, as I point out in the piece, on the part of the Koch networks, the Koch brothers network, one of the biggest right-wing donor networks in the Republican Party, and on the part of Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox News and the New York Post, um, to find an alternative. They have decided uh, to dump Trump, but uh, they're now trapped. Uh, and uh, Murdoch, who takes no prisoners, is Trump's prisoner right now. But how is it then that so many Americans, and I'm not sure what the number is, but let's assume it's a third or a quarter, see this cheesy vulgarian and tawdry conman as the martyr, as the leader, and somebody worthy of a second shot after his disastrous four years. 
where over a million people died from COVID, for example, because of his incompetence. I mean, he has been the most incompetent president we've ever had. I mean, maybe Buchanan, but I wasn't around then. So that's what mystifies me. What is his appeal? Why this alternative universe? And can it be penetrated? There's nothing new uh, about um, uh, Trump's uh, sleaziness, um, his vulgarity, uh, and his uh, psychopathology, his malignant narcissism, and that he is a crime wave. There's nothing new. It was all known at the beginning. Uh, in a way, the indictment in New York is a is a kind of end to the uh, liberty he was allowed in New York, uh, running rampant for decades. And uh, this has uh, put an end to it. I, the other thing that's very important is that there were powerful forces that have been behind uh, Trump because they're getting what they want out of him, like Murdoch, like the Republican donors, the Koch donors, their network, like the Federalist Society, getting to pack the federal judiciary and to control the Supreme Court. We've seen the results in everybody's personal lives from uh, guns to um, uh, abortion to coming up uh, affirmative action, really overthrowing the 14th Amendment. So they all knew who Trump has been. It's not a surprise to them, but they got what they wanted out of him. They thought they could put him in the past, however. And the irony, the paradox, is that the indictments of Trump for his crimes have raised him up and solidified his support for the base and frustrated the very forces that used him for the four years in which he was president. And the very forces, Murdoch, Koch, etc., who helped put him in office and supported him and fed the demagogy and uh, helped um, uh, stoke the extremism uh, that is now at the center of the Republican Party. So do they have buyer's remorse or will they just go along with him because he's so transactional? He'll do anything. He'll help the Christian nationalists. He'll help the plutocrats. He'll do whatever it takes uh, to win as he did last time. Well, I think they're going to, they put their bets, uh, Murdoch and Koch uh, and many of the others on DeSantis, who has uh, faltered uh, and proven himself to be um, a not very good candidate during his uh, preliminary period of non-candidacy. And he has fallen as Trump has risen, the more Trump has been accused of crimes. DeSantis, who is who is his own authoritarian type uh, uh, in the in a model that in some ways surpasses Trump, it's hard to believe, has been in Trump's shadow. The base feels accept no substitutes, but they're bound to DeSantis. He's in it, and uh, it, as Trump cuts DeSantis apart, he will the monster will grow bigger. And they will be stuck. And I predict that in the end, however much they say they passionately hate him, as Tucker Carlson said in the revealed uh, email during the Dominion voting systems uh, discovery process of its suit against Fox News, I passionately hate him, said Tucker Carlson. And uh, Murdoch said that, um, uh, that he was disgusted and that he's deranged. Well, I predict in the end, they'll all support him if he's the nominee, because they will be completely transactional and they will be stuck. And yet they know exactly what a menace he is. Not that they, in the end, really believe in democracy either. Well, in the case of Murdoch, there's this, of course, there's this TV show called Secession, which the patriarch playing Murdoch was asked about you know, some of the terrible stuff that the network had been broadcasting. And his response was, we don't do shame. So that seems to be pretty clear here, isn't it, Sidney Blumenthal, that you can't shame the Murdochs, nor the Cokes for that matter. Well, Murdoch is reduced to sputtering incoherence right now. Uh, On the one hand, the New York Post is trashing uh, Trump. Um, 
Murdoch's media outlets are trying to puff uh, DeSantis, and yet on Fox News, they're defending Trump. I was just watching uh, Fox News uh, today uh, during uh, the uh, entire arraignment, and uh, they're trying to think of every possible excuse for Trump uh, and every false issue. They're doing their best, um, but um, Murdoch uh, is really trapped here. And uh, in a way, uh, Fox News has outfoxed itself, and uh, and uh, Trump will use them as well. Well, they made it clear in the uh, in the court filings with the Dominion that for Fox News, telling the truth is bad for business. Yeah, let's talk about Dominion for a, a minute. The a, a judge in that case has ruled that the trial will go forward, and furthermore, that the jury must accept that it is a fact that Dominion was defamed by Fox News. That's an extraordinary uh, decision going into a trial uh, for defamation. Uh, uh, Fox News uh, it knowingly um, broadcast falsehoods that Dominion Voting Systems was deleting or, um, or uh, somehow um, uh, uh, wiping out um, uh, votes for Trump, uh, a complete falsehood, and broadcasting conspiracy theories about how it was, uh, you know, involved in Venezuela and so on. So uh, this trial uh, for Dominion will will call to the stand Murdoch. Um, it will call to the stand the Fox News personalities, start presumably starting uh, this month, in the middle of this month, and this will go on right smack dab in the middle of the whole Trump circus. And um, and what's it about? January 6th. So Fox News and Murdoch have their own January 6th scandal. And it's very much a part of the entire uh, Trump um, uh, degradation of democracy that has taken place, the attack on democracy, in which Fox played a central role. Well, they're going to have a hard time with absence of malice, uh, obviously. But let's talk about who wins here. I mean, as far as I can tell, the, the real winner here will be Vladimir Putin because Donald Trump is the great instrument of division. He's more and more deranged and more and more desperate. And the base has flocked to him and the Republican Party are held hostage by the MAGA base. And he's going to rile them up. And if we get to the point of civil war, which may, you know, I think is a little perhaps over the top, but a lot of people are talking about it. Doesn't all this serve Vladimir Putin? I mean, needless to say, just uh, I think it was yesterday on Fox News, Trump said, oh, by the way, Putin's going to win the war in Ukraine, which, of course, is the outcome that Trump prefers. So on uh, Trump and Putin, uh, Putin, who interfered in the election of 2016, to attempt to help Trump uh, and create chaos in the United States um, and has waged um, a war of disinformation against the United States, is hoping against hope that Trump, one, will create complete chaos and damage the country from here through the election day, and two, who knows, perhaps he might be able to win. And um, the Russians will engage in whatever disinformation uh, they feel might help him. Um, it takes place at the same time that um, their war against Ukraine and against the entire West, as Putin has made clear, is entering a very dangerous and uh, crucial phase uh, in the spring right now. So Trump himself and going forward and with the support of the Republican Party is one of the great and perhaps the greatest national security threat to the United States right now. He wishes to dissolve uh, NATO. He wishes to uh, give Putin a victory in uh, Ukraine. He wishes to destroy the Western alliance and defeat the West. So uh, Trump is uh, Putin's greatest uh, useful idiot, as he has been throughout his career. So I, I mentioned it before, Sydney, about my puzzlement over why people find this cheesy Vulgarian and tawdry con man uh, 
so why they love him in, in many cases. And one of the most amazing statements came from the New York Republican Club, a statement on President Trump's indictment. I'll just read a, a little bit of it here. President Trump embodies the American people, our psyche from id to superego, as does no other figure. His soul is totally bonded with our core values and emotions, and he is our total and indisputable champion. This tremendous connection threatens the established order. So that is truly, you know, these people are really, have fallen for this guy, and the delusion is astronomical. Is there any way to undo that delusion? I don't think that there's any way to um, separate Trump uh, from his base. Uh, there's been no event so far that has um, disillusioned them. Uh, there have been Republicans who call themselves the normals, yet who worked for Trump and enabled him during his first administration, who apparently fallen away. Uh, there were the so-called adults in the room who thought they could control him during his administration. There are the never Trumpers who have turned on him and to a great extent uh, what the Republican Party uh, has become. But um, uh, what's going on out in the country in uh, many states is in fact in, um, not simply about uh, Trump has gone far beyond that uh, into attacks on uh, on uh, civil liberties, on um, uh, certain distressed and vulnerable groups, particularly gays, uh, an extraordinary rise in anti-Semitism and race baiting, and attacks on voting rights in many states, uh, as well as uh, on women's rights, uh, particularly uh, reproductive rights. Uh, so um, this is not something that's happening uh, in isolation or apart from the operation of Republican parties in many states. And uh, that is their interest. Well, just in closing, uh, Sidney Blumenthal, it seems like historians will look back on this era and, and perhaps call it the era of the troll, because you've got, for example, Elon Musk buying Twitter for $44 billion just to own the libs. You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene getting headlines and 60 Minutes to their eternal shame had her on last Sunday. And, of course, you've got the greatest troll of all, Donald Trump. So is this what we've become, you know, not a nation of trolls, but a nation afflicted by trolls? Well, there have always been demagogues. Um... Uh, from the beginning of the Republic. Um, Trump is among the greatest. Um, uh, he threatens um, um, the United States. He threatened, He has openly threatened the Constitution. He has said he wishes to be uh, in, a ruler for life, a would-be dictator. Uh, and with uh, a right-wing majority on the uh, Supreme Court, we're entering an entirely new phase in the history of the Republic. Um, so um, it's, um, it's a dangerous uh, period and um, will uh, be brought to a very sharp choice in 2024. Well, Cindy Blumenthal, I thank you very much for joining us here today. Thank you. And again, I've been speaking with Sidney Blumenthal, the former assistant and senior advisor to President Bill Clinton and a senior advisor to Hillary Clinton. He has been a national staff reporter for The Washington Post, Washington editor and staff writer for The New Yorker, and his books include the bestsellers The Clinton Wars, The Rise of the Counter-Establishment, and The Permanent Campaign. And his latest book is All the Powers on Earth, The Political Life of Abraham Lincoln, 1856 to 1860. And he has an article at The Guardian, Every Indictment Will Make Trump Stronger and Republicans wilder. We're going to take a B station break of back venturing from the political into the psychological to try to understand why so many Americans see this cheesy vulgarian and tawdry con man as a hero and why the press have failed to communicate to the American people who this serial criminal and liar is after four ruinous years of a presidency that will surely be judged as among the most reckless and incompetent in American history. Hurry, hurry, step right up, keep following the leader. Follow the leader, I can't mistake. 
Welcome back. I'm Ian Masters, and this is Background Briefing, available 24-7 at backgroundbriefing.org. And joining us now, Dr. Alan Francis, who's a professor emeritus and former chair of psychiatry and behavioral science at Duke University. He's the author of the award-winning international bestseller, Saving Normal, and the reference work, Essentials of Psychiatric Diagnosis. And his latest book is Twilight of American Sanity, A Psychiatrist Analyzes the Age of Trump, now out in an updated paperback version. Welcome to Background Briefing, Dr. Alan Francis. Always a pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. Well, thanks for joining us. And I've, we just talked with Sidney Blumenthal, um, who worked for both Bill Clinton, a senior advisor to Bill Clinton, and a senior advisor to Hillary Clinton. And I did sort of ask him, uh, perhaps I ventured from the political end of the psychiatric, but I'm still sort of floundering here, Dr. Francis, trying to figure out what it is that the Trump followers see in this man, and and now they're rallying to his side, as is the entire Republican Party. They become a party that's abandoning the rule of law, uh, becoming a lawless party. But let me just read you a, a, a brief piece of the statement from the New York Republican Club, the statement on President Trump's indictment. President Trump embodies the American people, our psyche from id to superego, as does no other figure. His soul is totally bonded with our core values and emotions, and he is our total and indisputable champion. This tremendous connection threatens the established order. So can you help me out here, Dr. Francis? Maybe a little. Um, A delusion is a fixed false belief that will not succumb to reality and rational argument and is held by one person, a minority of one. And when someone has a delusion, we think of psychiatric treatment and a mental disorder diagnosis. Now, if you take a delusional belief and you have 30 or 40 million people believe it, it's no longer a mental disorder, which can only occur in an individual. It's a cult. And while mental disordered people tend not to be particularly violent, usually well-mannered and don't cause much trouble to other people, more trouble to themselves, cult members who have delusional beliefs because 30 million other people have them are quite dangerous because people will do in a group things they would never conceive of doing alone. People will believe outrageous things in a group that if they were left to their own devices, they would realize are outrageous. And I think what we can say is that not all Republicans, there are Republicans who are Republicans because of greed. There are public people who are Republicans because of you know religious belief. The people who are Republicans are Republicans because they're racist. But there are also people who are Republicans because they become cultists. And although it seems impossible to believe the crazy things that Trump says and not to look down on the bizarre things that he does, um, it's not really that surprising psychologically that he's been able, as a reality TV character, to entrance a very large segment of the American population. Now, this could lead to, I should say, first of all, it's not just America, so that there are similar figures in Brazil in, in uh, France, in Italy, the government of Italy is controlled by ex-fascists. In Hungary, um, in, in um, Russia, Russia, Turkey. Right. If you look across the world, then 20 years ago, everyone was celebrating the triumph of democracy. I don't think anyone would see a Washington consensus at this point. That, um, For reasons I think are deeply embedded in the demography of the world and the fact that it's way too crowded, that resources are increasingly uh, compromised, that the climate is being degraded and polluted and made unlivable for many people, that the um, future of AI threatens us in an existential way, that for, for reasons that are well beyond the local scope of the U.S., many, many cult 
figures are emerging. Many demagogues are emerging all around the world. And the psychology is probably very similar in each place, even though the specific issues they push may be slightly different. Um, and the, the, the good news, this seems like we have front row seats on the apocalypse, but the good news in this is that Trump, Trump could conceivably, and, and I think maybe probably, destroy the Republican Party. And it, it really does need, does deserve des- destroying, and I think he may be the vehicle that he's going to be facing in the next year a whole series of, of indictments. This is just the first of many falling today. He's going to be in court constantly. He's going to be attacked constantly. He's going to become angrier and angrier. And I see him now developing a kind of martyr complex. I can picture if I, if I were a um, creator of curios and toys, I can picture Trump on the cross a bloated Trump on the cross. I think that that's the image he's carrying into his future, seeing himself as an embattled martyr, using this cleverly to extort donations from people who are working hard for their money. Theoretically, he's a billionaire, but somehow he manages to extort money from them to protect him. I think he will play this to the hilt. I don't think, I think it's possible he may be able to win the primary because the cult is large enough. I don't think he can win the general election, even though the Democrats have no bench and that they've been very weak in their messaging. And it's possible that he will destroy the Republican Party from by running and, and losing in the general election. It's also possible that if they do seek another candidate, he will be so vindictive towards whoever that candidate is that he will do his best to destroy him. So I think that we we have we who are sensible in this situation have a mixed rooting interest. In a way, the crazier and more extreme his followers are now, perhaps that will wake up the part of the population that's not part of the cult, and maybe some of the stragglers who are fellow tra- travelers for the cult to its dangers. And I was delighted, for instance, when you have Disney fighting DeSantis, when you have Trump indicted on the same day, that's a good day for, for sanity in America. Well, I don't want to make an overwrought analogy, but the German industrialists backed Hitler. They thought he was a little unsavory, uh, but he'd be good for business. And I think that's the case with the Koch brothers and Rupert Murdoch and other plutocrats in this country. They back Trump, and they can't even back away from him because they're afraid. Of, I mean, Fox is, as we know, we've just learned it, telling the truth for Fox is bad for business. So... That I understand, that cynicism, but I don't understand why the rest of the press, the so-called mainstream press, not not the right-wing press, why have they not been able to communicate to the American people who Donald Trump really is? Well, I think the American people aren't tuning into CNN. I think it's the lowest ratings it's ever had recently. Uh, the American people, the Koch brothers and... The uh, other plutocrats were very clever in creating talk radio um, and, and supporting Rupert Murdoch and, and Fox News and, and creating a whole bunch of, of uh, TV networks that, and, and newspaper chains that spew forth filth and lies. And the people who believe Trump aren't listening to you. They, they're not listening to me. They're not reading my book. They're listening to, to these uh, purveyors of, of propaganda. And I think it's a perfectly decent analogy. I wouldn't be embarrassed to, to compare what, what they've done to, to um, Goebbels and Hitler in, in Germany. It's the exact same mechanism. The bigger the lie, the better. January 6th was really just an expression of political freedom and democracy, not an attempted coup. And if you have people who don't follow, who think that the main, mainstream media, uh, media are, are telling lies and Trump is telling the truth, and if they're brainwashed 24-7, it's not surprising that they buy it. And, and, and the hope, though, is that they're not more than maybe 25% of the voting public or cultists. And that there will be enough independents and enough you know, people who, although they may be Koch brothers um, acolytes, they may be greedy corporate industrialists, they may be worried about tax cuts than they are about the, the um, health of the republic. That at a certain point, if the extremists are too extreme, people who have used them will realize that you don't arm the peasants with 
AK-15s and feel safe in your in your palatial mansions. At a certain point, it's just too dangerous. And so my my sense is that people wanted to the, the the plutocrats wanted to get off Trump, but he won't let them get off. And in some ways, it may be that I'm being too optimistic. In some ways, it may be useful to have a battle between Trump and the plutocrats. So just in the last uh, minute then, uh, Dr. Francis, the mainstream media gave $5 billion worth of free media to help elect Trump in 2016. It seems now that we are living in the era of the troll. You've got the guy that just bought Twitter for $44 billion just to own the libs. You've got Elon Musk as one of the great trolls out there, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And the greatest troll of all, of course, is Donald Trump. So is that what's happened, that somehow the nastiness in this media free-for-all that we have now, this mediascape, has brought forth this kind of trolling? And people seem to, on the particular on the right, they love it. I mean, let's go, Brandon. That, that thrills them. I, I mean, what's, what's going on here? Well, I, I think you have... Many people who are left behind or feel they're left behind and who grabbed on, on Trump as the Messiah or grab on Fox News as the purveyor of gospel, I, I think the point is that the, the balance of power in America will be decided on whether or not, first of all, it'd be nice to have a Democratic Party that knew how to message and had a deeper bench. But the balance of power in the future will be whether the Republican Party can hold as a, as a party. And I'm hoping and betting that the extremism, and the more extreme now, the better in some ways, that the extremism will divide and break it. And that, that may be too optimistic, but that's our best hope at this point. Dr. Alan Francis, I thank you very much for joining us here today. Well, thank you, Ian, and, and let's hope for the best. And again, I've been speaking with Dr. Alan Francis, who's Professor Emeritus and former Chair of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science at Duke University. He's the author of the award-winning international bestseller, Saving Normal, and the reference work, Essentials of Psychiatric Diagnosis. And his latest book is Twilight of American Sanity, A Psychiatrist Analyzes the Age of Trump, now out in an updated paperback version. We're going to take a brief station break and back looking into today's important election in the outrageously gerrymandered state of election for the state Supreme Court which has critical national implications. Welcome back. I'm Ian Masters, and this is Background Briefing, available 24-7 at backgroundbriefing.org. And joining us now is Lisa Graves, the Executive Director of the new corporate watchdog group True North Research. She has served as a senior advisor in all three branches of the federal government, as Deputy Assistant Attorney General in the Justice Department, as Chief Counsel for Nominations on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and as a Deputy Chief of the Article III Judges Division for the U.S. Courts. Welcome to Background Briefing, Lisa Graves. Thank you so much for having me on, Ian. Well, thanks for joining us, Lisa. And you're in Wisconsin, and uh, that's where the other big story is, the elections today for a state Supreme Court, uh, overshadowed, of course, by the arraignment of Donald Trump today and uh, the 34 charges now made public. Let's start with that, since that is the 900-pound gorilla in the room, although much of the coverage is just shows convoys of cars driving around and uh, endless uh, waiting in corridors. And as I look at all these cars and stuff, I think (laughs) that's all on the taxpayer. But what's your sense, Lisa, of what happened today in terms of, obviously Trump is going to be making a speech down in Mar-a-Lago after we go to air today, but what was your takeaway? Well, I think it's an important day for America to finally have... Uh, the criminal justice system engaged in actually beginning to hold Donald Trump accountable for the many crimes for which there is evidence. And um, I know that there are other criminal investigations that are underway um, besides this, but this is significant. I think it's long overdue. And 
Um, I think that the claims by Trump and by his followers uh, that this is some sort of witch hunt or that this is a baseless political act, uh, this, this sort of lines uh, dripped out there by his um, competitors and allies like Ron DeSantis or um, the governor of uh, Virginia, uh, those are just rhetoric and dangerous rhetoric, actually, by his party, uh, when in fact, this um, is a step towards showing that America is true to its word, that no person is above the law and should be above the law. Trump certainly isn't above the law and shouldn't be above the law. So in the state of Wisconsin, clearly the courts have played a key role, the fact that they've been controlled by the Republicans and particularly the Supreme Court in gerrymandering. So what's the breakdown then? I think about it's a sort of purple state, right? Half Republican, half Democrat. But the Republicans have how many more seats? What percentage of the seats do they have? If they have 50 percent of the vote, they have far more than 50 percent of the seats, congressional I, seats. That's right. Wisconsin is one of the most uh, gerrymandered states in the country, along with North Carolina. But I think by far the the worst in terms of misrepresentation or unrepresentation, or I suppose you could even call it disrepresentation, where, um, in fact, in Wisconsin, uh, in the last two cycles where there have been um, no maps, in essence, the map of the state without any extra special line drawing by Republicans, Democrats have substantially prevailed. Uh, we have a Democratic governor who's won twice, a Democratic attorney general who's won twice, Democratic Secretary of State, who's won more than twice. Um, and uh, we had the outlier of Ron Johnson remaining in office. But otherwise, uh, when voters statewide have had a chance to vote, they voted Democratic. And yet in Wisconsin, in both the congressional delegation um, and in the state legislature, our state Senate and state assembly, it's um, you know more on the order of two thirds, one third or greater. Uh, so we have a grossly a grossly misrepresented population here, and the legislators who have won these um, these lopsided, distorted districts that have been hand carved with micro precision by uh, right wing politicians and right wing um, you know uh, algorithmic firms. Um, these uh, politicians are extreme, and they are unaccountable uh, to most of the people in Wisconsin. So. The Democrats have won 14 of the last 17 statewide elections, right? But they've just only now gotten a majority in the in the House, right? Uh, no, not uh, well. No, no, <laughs> not, no. Already in either in either legislature, and our congressional delegation is also badly distorted uh, to the far right, and so so they um, have no no majority in the House or the or the state Senate, and we know, of course, that. Ron Johnson, the most beatable candidate in the Republican Senate, beat Mandela Barnes, who was one of the worst candidates the Democrats ever ran. So that's, to some extent, on the Democrats. But uh, you still got one Democratic senator, right? Right. You know, and I and I think I think the other part of that is is the story of dark money, which we saw in that Ron Johnson race, um, as well as uh, we're seeing here unfold in this Wisconsin Supreme Court race. This race is already the most expensive state Supreme Court race in U.S. history. It outpaces the, the most recent huge uh, spending in a, Wisconsin, in, a, in a state Supreme Court race in any state um, by you know almost half, basically by at least $10 million. We'll know when the dust settles. And we have a situation here where um, the, the candidate uh, who is running on the right-wing side of the, uh, uh, of the ballot, a guy named Dan Kelly, uh, said out loud that he really didn't need to raise hardly any money because outside special interests were going to were going to spend up to twenty million dollars. In fact, they've spent uh, more cumulatively. And in fact, when we have unwound, uh, just try to decipher who those groups are with all their uh, fancy, populist-sounding names. At least five of those groups are front groups for one of the richest men in America, a guy named Dick Uline, who owns a company called Uline U L I N E, who has become uh, incredibly rich during the pandemic because he makes the boxes that packages uh, are sent to our homes in. And so he's a very rich right-wing guy who has backed Trump, who's backed uh, groups that are involved in the January 6th uh, insurrection uh, events. He has attacked uh, reasonable efforts to try to mitigate climate change, uh, reasonable efforts to try to mitigate uh, 
COVID uh, and the pandemic and a, a slate of extremist right-wingers, including uh, that classic right-winger, Roy Moore, after revelations that as a 32-year-old man, he pursued a 14-year-old girl. So that's Dick Uline, and he's backing Dan Kelly for this um, Supreme Court here in Wisconsin. One of the groups that uh, it turns out that Dick Uline is the largest funder of is a right-wing anti-choice group associated with Susan B. Anthony list called Women Speak Out. So this right-wing billionaire named Dick is, in fact, the largest donor uh, to a right-wing group that calls itself Women Speak Out. So where does it stand then? I mean, obviously, the, the election was today. There's a big turnout. Well, let's let's talk about the really key issue here. What's at stake? Because in the last election, this right-wing majority on the Supreme Court including the candidate that, that's running now, Dan Kelly, he, he was involved in these fake electors. I mean, they almost won. I think it was a four to three vote, but they almost were able to overturn Biden's victory in the state and throw the whole election into chaos. It came close, and Dan Kelly had played a key role, didn't he? Yes, that's right. Dan Kelly was uh, uh, hired as so-called special counsel, for the Republican Party of Wisconsin as it embarked on its efforts to try to um, take on uh, the electorate, basically, of Wisconsin, to try to um, destroy the popular vote uh, here in Wisconsin. There's some testimony about Dan Kelly's role that um, is in the January 6th um, investigation. Um, there's also <clears throat> a great new story by Dan Kaufman in New Yorker magazine that details uh, some of this role, but you have a man who's now running for the state Supreme Court who was um, who aided in the efforts um, of the Republican Party uh, to uh, attack the election results in Wisconsin, including um, that scheme to uh, put forward fake electors. Um, he's he's uh, in essence tried to deny it or skirt it, but I think the record is pretty clear uh, looking at it myself. Uh, and others as well. And then you also have his his other history, quite frankly, and I'll speak for myself and not for my organization. This is a man who's been involved in uh, the redistricting all along. Before he was briefly a Supreme Court judge, he was on the uh, state Supreme Court for four years due to the appointment of Scott Walker, uh, one of the most controversial governors in Wisconsin history. Before that, he was also involved in other, other um, state Supreme Court races on behalf of extreme uh, individuals. And he also was involved in the redistricting that, um, uh, the litigation and redistricting that put us in the position that we are right now in this state in terms of how badly uh, misrepresented or disrepresented we are. Um, and that's not all. He's also been uh, extraordinarily involved in um, helping uh, the right-wing groups uh, push forward an anti-choice agenda as well as an anti-gay agenda. He sued the University of Wisconsin uh, over student activity fees because any fees could go to a gay club. He even sued the school district in Madison, claiming that it was a violation of, of, of right to a traditional family for the school district to offer benefits to the spouses of gay teachers or gay administrators, uh, attacking that, assailing that in a losing case as violating um, other people's right to a traditional family. And so he is, in my personal view, an extremist. And when he was on the bench here for that brief four-year term, he put his thumb on the scale repeatedly on the side of the Republican Party at every chance he got. But, but in terms of the national significance of this election today in Wisconsin, for the Supreme Court, the real issue here, at least on a national level, is that if the Democratic candidate doesn't win and this Dan Kelly guy wins, then, I mean, what they did in the last election can be seen as a rehearsal for what they're going to do in the next election. And can, and Trump might well be the candidate at this point. He's, you know, there's a loyalty test out there and they're all, they're all flocking to his banner and he's closing out the uh, other uh, Republican candidates. So it's a pretty reasonable bet that you might have Trump as their candidate. Um, we know that he doesn't accept losses. Neither do the Republicans in Wisconsin, right? They just don't believe in democracy. They don't believe that the Democrats have a right to vote, and they do everything that they can to stop them from voting. And if this guy gets reelected, and if history's a, a judge, the Democrats will narrowly win the state, 
And then they'll basically just, with a stroke of a pen, declare victory via the courts, which is what they tried to do in the last election, right? Well, that's that's right. What One of the reasons why this state is being targeted is because it's a swing state that's important in that electoral uh, count uh, in terms of the presidency in 2024. And if this Supreme Court is held by a four to three right wing majority, um, I fear for the future of not just our democracy here in Wisconsin, but in our nation because of the, the partisans who've been put on this court uh, due to this dark money and their loyalty to the far right and the fringe in this country. And it's not just that. It's also a, a substantial issue, as you point out, Ian, for uh, the right to vote. Uh, because this court has uh, sided with Republicans time and again on efforts to make it harder for the people of Wisconsin to vote. Uh, and in addition, we also are facing a challenge right now where because of the right-wing activist U.S. Supreme Court that was installed, again, with the help of dark money by some of these very big right-wing billionaires um, at the um, orchestration of um of Leonard Leo, we have a U.S. Supreme Court that just reversed nearly 50 years of legal precedent on uh, abortion, reversing the Roe versus Wade decision, which means in Wisconsin, uh, a law that was written and passed in 1849, the year after statehood, uh, when no women could vote, um, that law that bans abortion could go into effect uh, in this uh, state that I consider to be actually a blue state that has been captured um, by, uh, you know, the red, by this these right-wing forces that have utterly distorted um, our democratic processes. So is the fact that if Dan Kelly wins, you'll have an 1849 abortion ban, which is on the books in place in Wisconsin, is that motivating people to vote? I think it is. A lot of people, we, we've you know been listening and uh, to a lot of the public statements that people are making. There's a number of Republicans who said that they um, are going to vote for Judge Janet, who's the nonpartisan candidate on the progressive side of the equation, um, because they fear Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly is someone who um, has worked for uh, the Wisconsin Right to Life and other Right to Life groups and even chose to attend uh, Pat Robertson, Pat Robertson's Christian Broadcasting Network University Law School in 1988 after Pat Robertson ran in part on attacking Roe versus Wade and his law school was organized around attacking Roe versus Wade, among other rights. And so um, I think a lot of people are concerned, moderates are concerned. When you look at the polling in the state of Wisconsin, as with the nation, most Americans, a substantial majority of Americans and a substantial majority of Wisconsinites believe women should have a right to make their reproductive decisions uh, based on their own conscience, based on their own family and based on the advice of their doctors. And that these right wing politicians, whether they're judges or whether they're legislators, should not be meddling in those personal, private, uh, fundamental decisions about our future. And so, um, you know, we'll see how the vote comes out. It's been a huge amount of dark money and attacks attack ads by Dick Uline and his machine, along with groups that are tied to Leonard Leo um, and uh, other uh, dark and nefarious uh, sources um, that have been pushing misleading information, I think, in this campaign. Um, but we'll see, we'll see tonight what happens in this race. Well, aren't they doing a Willie Horton, basically running ads saying, if, if you vote for Janet, you know, black men are going to break into your home and rape your wife? I mean, that's 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 exactly the, the tenor, the nature of the ads. In fact, one of the ads is almost frame by frame like the Willie, the infamous Willie Horton ads from 1988, those 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 deplorably racist, misleading attack ads. Um, that's been the primary um, claim being made by these outside uh, special interest money groups has been uh, to push fears about crime. And and um, Judge Janet, the um, the the person running on the you know progressive side of the equation here is someone who was a, a prosecutor for many years prosecuted you know thousands of people has been a judge for you know nearly a decade has handled numerous criminal cases but they've um, been trying to distort her record this is my personal point of view and they've done so in a way that uh, just blows those racist dog whistles at the highest pitch possible so I mentioned earlier, Lisa, that Donald Trump is likely to be the Republican candidate because at this point it's now a kind of a loyalty test. You can see how the Republicans are all lining up behind him, and it's extraordinary to see one of the two American political parties basically stand for lawlessness against the rule of law. 
and want to place Donald Trump above the law, that in itself is just mind-blowing. But uh, assuming that this continues, then that people like DeSantis and others are being shut out because everybody's rallying to Trump, and he's going to make sure that they stick with him, and we're going to have a whole more year of of these, you know, tawdry antics, uh, and the fact that we're even talking about him makes me ill, because the more you talk about Trump, the less you talk about global warming, gun control, inequality, and voter suppression. So that's this is the trap that we're in. So do you agree that this is Trump's party, and this character that's trying to get elected, Dan Kelly, he's a he's a part of the MAGA machine, and. Uh, this is also what's at stake, is it not? Well, speaking for myself personally, uh, as a private citizen, I agree with that. Uh, I think that he is part of that MAGA machine. He's part of this, um, <clears throat> an extremist faction that has really taken over the Republican Party and that seeks to impose um, basically uh, religious views as law uh, and to displace fundamental tenets in our constitution, including equal protection of the law, uh, including the idea that we shouldn't have religious tests for office, that we shouldn't have the establishment of religion uh, with this sort of authoritarian regime that that seems to have anointed Trump as some sort of religious figure and treats him that way, speaks about him that way. And the only thing I would add, I suppose, just again, speaking personally, um, Ian, is that I think the coverage of him running for president um, is uh, also misses the point because I think he's really running for emperor not president of the United States. Well, <laughs> that gives a whole new meaning that to the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. I thank you for joining us, Lisa Graves. Thank you so much, Ian, and I agree with you. We've got to talk about climate and guns and, and things that really matter, and Trump has, is a black hole when it comes to coverage, but unfortunately he's going to be injecting himself in the news for these next several months, and uh, I'm hoping that people can see through um, and can see, I suppose, uh, the majority of people can see that the emperor has no clothes and we have to resist uh, him and his extremism and the extremists who, who are aligned with him uh, as, as in any lawful ways we can. And again, I've been speaking with Lisa Graves, as executive director of the new corporate watchdog group True North Research. She has served as a senior advisor in all three branches of the federal government, as deputy assistant attorney general in the Justice Department, as chief counsel for nominations on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and as a deputy chief of the Article Three Judges Division for the U.S. Courts. This has been Background Briefing. I'm Ian Masters, and I'd like to thank producer Graham Fitzgibbon and to help us sustain this program into the future and assure it remains free to all please take a moment to support us by going to backgroundbriefing.org slash donate or publictruthmedia.org where you will find our non-profit Public Truth Media Foundation where your tax-deductible donations, large and small, keep us broadcasting. And if you missed any of today's program and would like to explore our vast archives, you can find us at backgroundbriefing.org where we'll include extended interviews searchable by topic, and have made it easy for you to sign up for daily email updates that provide links to resources, articles, and books discussed on the program. Also, you can find links there to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we also encourage your ratings and reviews on these platforms. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Ian Masters Media, and please do help us reach more listeners by sharing this program with friends, family, and colleagues. And I'll be back again tomorrow with another background briefing at backgroundbriefing.org. Bye for now. The guy that lived next door in 305 Took the kids to the park and disappeared by half past nine Who will ever know how much she loved them so That dark night alone in America
Sunday. 